This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalo Falahiatu and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Halatau and joining me as always for another episode is Sarah Nangama. Sarah, welcome. Fulla Dean, stoked to be back for another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? I cannot believe we're at the final one. Oh, not necessarily final one, but the last one before Christmas. I know, the festive season is upon us and it's been a great year, really enjoyed it. Uh, but we've got plenty to get through first in the show. And yes, as, as always, we kick off with a story from Sarah. And you, you primed <laughs> me a little bit beforehand. This is a, a story that... Yes. Should be quite funny, I think. Yeah. Oh, look, I don't know if it's funny. It's really embarrassing. So as you guys know, I've been doing some um, work with uh, the Sydney Sixers. They have picked me up as their their latest ground MC and it's definitely character building work, you know, asking to do emoji cam and kiss cam and split dance cam. But so last... Big, big Bash League. Big, yeah, 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 you know, just all, all the things yep. that you do at Big Bash Cricket. And it's been really fun. However, on the weekend, there was a rain check and I don't understand cricket. I've never followed cricket. So like, it was really new to me, like this, the rain delay thing, right? So I was like, oh, okay. So what do you do? They're like, you just wait. I'm like, oh, okay. But obviously as a ground MC, you have to like kind of keep everyone engaged because people started to disperse into the stands because of the rain and we're losing them. So I was told by my ground manager, you and your co-MC, you're going to jump onto the pitch and, you know, we do a piece of camera with fans out the back, just giving them a bit of an update bit of a vibe check. I'm like, yeah, sweet, man. Like, I can do that. And here we go. <laughs> we get onto the pitch and then Matt, who I was hosting with, you know, jumps straight in and he's talking all the cricket, like cricket terminology I don't understand. And I just look so stupid. I'm just like smiling at him, like nodding, you know, kind of like looking at him, looking at the camera. And he goes, so Sarah, how many runs do the Sixers have left to get? And I was like, I just smiled straight at him. I didn't have anything. So he was like, okay, Sydney Sixers fans, make some noise. <laughs> out. And then all I hear is in my ears, you guys still have 30 seconds. You need to use this time. You need to use this time. So I like turn and like the smallest kid I see, I was like, hey, you like, tell us what's your name. And like try to give him like this quick 30 second interview. And then, you know, we finished it off. And then I said to my grandma and I was like, please, like, I don't talk cricket. Like, I can't, like, can we make sure we know that? Like, I just don't talk cricket. And she's like, oh, like, don't worry. No one even noticed. I was like, okay. So like, if you say so. Anyway, so we come off the pitch. We're walking through the stand. This lady's waving at me with like hands overhead, both arms going. And she's like, come here. So like, I walked up. She's like, so you didn't tell us how many runs are there left? And I was like, oh my goodness. I, I didn't even look at my statue. I'm so sorry. I don't even know. I told like, and try to make like some humor out of it. And I walked away being like, I have just been found out. Like so found out. Wow. So that's, uh, that's my story this week. That's not fair play by Matt to throw you under the bus like that. I'm like, I told this guy and this guy knows I play. I mean, it's, it's no excuse. Like if coming to the cricket, I shouldn't, I just didn't, I couldn't see the runs on the board because my face was on the board. At least tell you, because you're still, even like someone that knows cricket, Still has to check how many runs the Sixers need. Yeah, really cringe. And then to be found out by a fan because they're obviously listening. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was rough. <laughs> but anyway, enough about me. What about you, Dean? Uh, week's been good. I, I've been doing a lot of DIY at home at the moment. It's all in preparation for Christmas. The Halitar creations continue. Yeah. On the weekend, I painted uh, okay. the back of our house and I also grouted some tiles that were laid by my brother-in-law. So... It was actually quite hard. It was harder than I thought it would be. So, um, But I got it done. And so it you looks... built the deck? Yeah. You've painted the back of the house yeah. and you've, is it regrouted? Is that term you yeah. use? Yeah. Oh, no, I grouted it oh, first grouted. because of new tiles, yeah. And I've built a gate on the side of the house as well. <laughs> what can't this man There's do? There's a few more things to go. but A few um, more things to go. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I'm sure you'll get up to a lot more throughout the Christmas holidays. Coming up in the next hour, we have a lot to look forward to. We take a look back at the weekend in sport. We have an interview with uh, my big brother. (laughs) We must be desperate. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Nangama. And we have a new question for our segment, You Can Ask That. But our top story for this week is one that's uh, probably been some time coming and it's come to fruition. Yes, Quade Cooper, who has played and represented for, uh, Australia on a number of occasions. Uh, he's been in Australia for a long time. We all know him as a Wallaby uh, and a Queensland Red, and uh, he's a great rugby player, uh-huh. but was yet to be a citizen. And he's, because of a change in the laws, he was allowed to go for his citizenship. And um, he announced on his Instagram that last week he was successful in completing the test to become an Australian citizen. How cool. And yeah, like as you said, this all came down in about mid-September when the rugby championships were happening. Everyone was questioning, like, well, he made that clutch penalty kick that won the Wallabies, that test match. And people were like, just give the man a citizenship. And we also covered it on the show when it happened. Like, I wonder how it's going to unfold. And now the man is a fully certified Australian citizen. He said he was nervous too about the test. He said some of the questions questions. quite difficult, right? Which is what you want. You want your citizens to actually know about the country they're becoming a citizen for. Uh, so well done to Quaid on, on achieving that. Um, I did see on his post, uh, Joe Tomain was also yes. on there. So he's hoping to, to go the through the same process himself because he ran into some speed bumps through COVID with travel and whatnot. So I hope we wish him all the best as well. Yes. But well done, Quaid. Some other exciting news in the week is some codes have released their teams of the year and there is some Pacific excellence included in those sides. Yes. And we'll start off with the first one. And then this is a, uh, a lady that we love to watch play. Uh, she's very talented. She's represented the Matildas and yes. she was selected in the IFFHS Women's Youth World Team of the Year for 2021, Mary Fowler. Yes. And if anyone's unsure of what that abbreviation <laughs> means, it's the International Federation of Football History and Statistics. Mary Fowler, she's absolutely incredible. I had the opportunity to catch up with her earlier this year on another ABC show, that Pacific Sports show. And she just comes from such a talented family that had such humble beginnings in the islands and to see where she is today. And as we all know, she's she's playing over in France for Montpellier and she has such a huge future ahead of her. She's had an incredible season throughout this year as well. And rewarded with the selection in this, this under-20s world team. So well done to Mary. And over to the code that you love, rugby, in particular rugby sevens. Rugby sevens, yes. So Argentina's Marcos Moneta and Frances and Cecil Siofani, they were named the men and women's sevens player of the year. But what's really exciting about it is that Olympic gold medalists Napoli Boliada and Shuta Waningolo were also nominated for this award. And for the women's, it was Aloesi Nangodi and Briape Ulanasal. So what's really cool about this is that the award is based on the number of votes from fans and Fiji did very, very well this year um, in every campaign, whether it was in the Tokyo Olympics or the Seventh Circuit. So to see some of those Fijian players recognised for that effort is huge. Yeah, that's massive. And like you said, the the Tokyo Olympics, where um, both the Fijiana and the Fiji men's did so well on on the world stage, no doubt that gave them a really good platform to get those nominations. Mm -hmm. And continuing sevens, we know that the last two legs have taken place in Dubai. And uh, last week we saw Sesenielin Donald named in the team. It was really cool because just two weeks before the Tokyo Olympics, she played in the Oceania tournament, which took place up in North Queensland. And then she goes to the Olympics, she wins, she continues with the girls. And then now she's named in the dream team and she was really humbled by it. And I think it was just more so speaking to the fact that her journey has happened quite quickly. Um, But again, huge, huge accomplishment. Enough about the modified game. 
the modified, the modified game, 15s. The modified 15s game of, of 15s, the, the OG rugby. Uh, so World Rugby have come out with their team of the year and it is decorated with some fantastic names. So three All Blacks and two Wallabies names stand out on this list. So we have Adi Sever at eight, Bowden Barrett at first five, and Will Jordan on the wing. And then at seven, we also have Michael Hooper, who's the Australian captain, and my man, Summer Karevi at number 12. That is a list. It's a list. And look, the the good thing about uh, this team, it's it's fairly diverse. There's, there's quite mm. a few um, players from, from all different countries. South Africa have dominated in that side as we kind of expect that they are ranked number one in the world, although that I don't think they've had um, the consistent had great, results. Yeah, they haven't had a great but, test campaign. Um, no doubt there's still some individuals that are standing out in those international fixtures. Bowden Barrett, I, I love Bowden Barrett. He's one of my favourite rugby players. He's Just the Barrett family. Like, how can yeah, you be that talented? What a talented family. And Artie Savar, he... He's a good leader. He got his chance to captain the side this First year. First opportunity. And, um, yeah, he's had a, a good international season, no doubt rewarded. Will Jordan, he got breakout performing mm-hmm. here as well uh, for a young guy. So well done to him. Huge, huge week. And it was, I think what's best about this whole news run, it's all feel-good stories of people doing some incredible things in their sport. So congratulations to all of them. Well done. Off the field and onto the court, WNBL hit round two of their competition. Yes, yeah, so the Townsville Fire. Beat the Adelaide Lightning, sorry, 70 to 59. And it was the Fires, Zatina Akuso, who scored 13 points, got 12 rebounds, one assist, two steals, and one block. Really good stat line from her. And then the UC Capitals and the Sydney Uni Flames game, which was was scheduled, uh, was actually postponed because of a positive case of COVID. Rough. It's hard to believe that we're still living in a COVID world and these things still influence the game, but it was probably the best choice. This is something that's going to sort of unfold for all sports as they kick off next year with. Community COVID management changing. I know in rugby league, they don't like to cancel games or postpone games because it's broadcast arrangements, blah, 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 blah. Um, They've got to figure out a way to to deal with it. And obviously here for the WNBL, uh, they're just postponing and moving matches as per their guidelines. Yeah, right. And over to the NBL, they also had round two where we saw Southeast Melbourne Phoenix take on the NZ Breakers, and it just happened to be Phoenix's day. Yes, it was. And it, look, there's been some really tight contests in the opening few weeks of the NBL with the Phoenix getting up 95 to 88 over the Breakers. Uh, the Breakers, Peyton Siva, actually went down in the first quarter with a hamstring injury, so he uh, wasn't able to take part any further in the game. The Phoenix then backed up and played the Melbourne United team. They won 94 to 86 again, so kept their role going. Uh, United's Shea Illy scored 14 points, three rebounds and two assists. It was a bit of a fiery match. There was Really? Uh, yeah, look, basketball, you don't associate too much, although there has been a few this year over in the NBA as well. But, yeah, there's a bit of push and shove going on. Uh, I love a bit of push and shove. It went a little bit like this. The Phoenix forced a turnover at halfway. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, Quick sir. took a yes, body. Oh, here we go. And Mason Pingling battles in here we go. And tempers have fled in throwdown 13. Really silly stuff by Pingling. Not necessary. Hellacious dump by Mitch Creek. Spectacular. What was Pingling thinking? I don't know what he was thinking, but sometimes you just got to wear it. Wow. Wow. That was taken from the NBL's Instagram, and the voice you heard was Andrew Gaze, an Australian uh, basketball legend. And yeah, he's saying it was very unnecessary from Peatling, who it, t- it took exception to the way Mitch Creek celebrated his dunk over uh, Matthew Delavadova, who we know has a long um, career in the NBA. He's now back, he's a marquee sign in, and he's now back in the NBL. So, well, look, like Andrew Gaze said, 
Sometimes you get posterized, so you got to just wear it. I mean, you don't really associate fighting with basketballers, but I love a bit of push and shove. <laughs> a bit of just, it adds a bit, a bit of argy bargy. Yeah. yeah, we love it. We love to see it. So that that was yeah. In the end, the Phoenix got up on the scoreboard in ninety four eighty six. A good result for them. No doubt. And so the code that you love to speak about since the Rugby League has finished for the year is the NFL. We now find ourselves in week 14. What's happened? Yeah, week 14. Look, I've got a bit of fantasy fatigue. I always oh, talk about okay. my fantasy because I've got okay. so many leagues going and it's been up and down. Like Hang on. Like, you know what this reminds me of? <laughs> a couple of weeks, oh, maybe a few weeks ago, where I was talking about podcast fatigue. Oh, yeah, I got fantasy And you were like, uh, okay, you big noter. And then here we are, <laughs> this guy being like, I'm a part of too many fantasy leagues. All right, That's go what, on. Yeah, maybe a bit of. A, a big note, but I'm going to make the finals in two fantasy leagues and I'm okay. not in two others. So half, half, that's not too bad. So you're in four? I'm in four leagues. Yeah. Way, wow. way too many. I got too excited at the start of the year. Hey, you want to join my league? Yeah, yeah. I'm in, I'm in. Okay. Yeah, not okay. a good thing. All right. Anyway, in the actual real results, as we always say, the Cleveland Browns, big upset of the weekend. They beat the Baltimore Ravens 24-22. So that was quite an upset for them. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Buffalo Bills 24-10. We keep an eye on the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I should say. Vita Vey kept all his teeth again this weekend. So that was uh, always a promising sign. A good week for him. Um, really, really good contest that, that game. There was a few games that went into overtime, which was really exciting. Um, but yeah, that's my week 14 fantasy wrap. Now, my lesson for the week, I mentioned uh, in, in our pre-show chat uh, to Nelly, a producer, about special teams. She got special teams, what does that mean? So Every team has a huge roster. As we know, we see players all over the field uh, on the sideline watching the game. There's a defensive unit, there's an offensive unit, and then there's a special teams unit. The special teams unit consists of punters, kickers, or place kickers, goal kickers. Um, Kick returners sometimes sort of fall into uh, special teams outfit. They, They are part of special teams, but they can also be running backs, wide receivers, so they play as a part of the offensive unit. Have I lost everyone here? There's some stunned looks so Coming wait, hang on, hang on, hang so, on. Uh, Are they still part of the team? They're still a part of the team, but they're very specific in their role. So there could be... So they're like playmakers. They're like our halves. No, no, no. Nine? Special teams are like, they can only come on for a specific play. So like a place kicker. Oh. So the field goal kickers, the, the kickers that kick like conversion attempts and... Um, so they can stay off goals, the pitch and just come on when it's time. They only come on to kick the ball. <gasps> wow. I'm understanding what you're saying now. Yep. So like a place kicker, they get paid pretty well. They just come on and kick the ball for goal and that's it. What? Because and there's punters that do the same. So they just come on, punt the ball down the field and go off. There's a, there's a lot of Aussies or there's quite a few Aussies that Yeah, I was going to say, some footy pl- like, imagine an AFL player. They would do just, so well over there because they can kick with accuracy. Yeah, there is quite a few AFL uh, converts that go over and just punt the ball for a living. That's a really, really good lesson. Good on you, Dean. I, I really teams. learned something. Special teams. Would you be that- part of a special team? No, I'd want to be like in an offensive unit. Yeah. No, maybe maybe defensive. Like I'd love to be like a safe, like a tackle guy that stands behind the line, chases down everyone and tries to smash them. See, yeah. that's why you're always the people's choice, always putting your body on the line for your teammates. <laughs> Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa Time, we are incredibly lucky to have Kevin Angama. Kevin, uh, he started his career here in Australia with the NRL, playing with the West Tigers, Newcastle Knights and the Penrith Panthers before he picked up a contract overseas in the Super League where he won three Super League uh, premierships with St. Helens. Kevin, welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? 
Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. So if anyone is not connecting the dots, Kevin is actually my big brother. Um, so it's a uh, very cool, but also very weird <laughs> to interview him. Um, but Kev, for, for our listeners who are tuning in, could you tell them um, where you were born and where your rugby league journey started? Yes. So just a little bit of background about myself. Um, obviously, Sarah's brother. Um, we have, there's four siblings of us all together. My older brother, Wes, who played professionally as well. And I've got Sarah, my younger sister, and Rhonda. Uh, Fijian background, for those of you that don't know, both our parents are Fijian from Fiji, migrated to Australia, and we were born here. So my rugby league career started at a very young age, at six years old, for a local team called Uncle Scots um, in the St. George area, and really just fell in love with the game. Um, not that I love the game, but I loved what it brought. I got to meet new people, and I think that's the, the biggest thing that sort of made me fall in love with the game, just hanging out with my friends and, and playing on the weekend and something that I always looked forward to after it as a kid was like going to McDonald's and the cow, the coach <laughs> shouting at McDonald's. Um, yeah, that was probably one of the highlights of playing rugby league at such a young age. And then I guess from there, it just it just grew on me. Um, I guess when I, in my early teens, I, it's something that I really enjoyed and um, something that I wanted to pursue as a professional career watching um, players on TV do it as their job. And, you know, I was just really lucky and blessed that I got to progress through the grades. Um, when I was 18, I actually signed with Newcastle Knights, the under-20s team. Spent two years there through 19 and 20, and then made my debut at 21 at Newcastle Knights um, with my older brother, Wesley Gamma, which is pretty special for me. And um, to share that moment with my brother and also my family, uh, Sarah made the trip down. It was against Melbourne Storm uh, to Melbourne. Probably one to forget, but also one to remember. We got flogged <laughs> by Melbourne. <laughs> um, but in saying that, yeah, like my career sort of just took off from there. I spent four years at Newcastle. Um, then from there, went to Penrith, spent the season there, and then four years at West Tigers, and then made the trip over to England and um, played for St. Helens for three years. And now I'm currently on a one-year deal at the Sydney Roosters. Now, Kevin, there's one thing that you, you haven't mentioned, and that's your career with Fiji, the Bati, and it's mm-hmm. something that a lot of football fans would, would recognise when, when, well, when they hear your name and when they see Fiji players is how passionate you are about representing um, Fiji. Can you tell us about uh, your time in the Test jersey? Yes, of course. Fiji, how could I forget that, mate? It's, it's really hard to put into words, you know, putting on that jersey and representing your nation, where you're from, your people, your culture. And for me, it was, it was always the pinnacle of rugby league. Obviously, I wanted to play NRL, but for me, the biggest honour would be representing my country. And it's something that I'm so grateful for and, you know, will always cherish. And, you know, hopefully can play for Fiji while I'm still healthy now at the end of the year for the World Cup. But, yeah, just playing for that team, there's just something about it that, you know, brings us boys together. We really just click from the first day. And it's a real hard sort of um, feeling to describe. Um, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's something that's always special for me. You know, I swell up with pride representing my nation. And as you've already seen, I, I'm a very emotional person. So when we're singing that national anthem, it's hard for me to hold in the tears when I'm representing my parents, you know, my family and, and the nation of Fiji and something that always brings great joy to my heart. And, you know, it's it's like I said, it's really hard to put into to some words or to describe like that feeling, but... That's probably the best way that I could put it, mate. 
I love hearing that Kev actually saw this really funny uh, bio that said, I want someone to love me the way that Kevin loves the Fijian <laughs> anthem. <laughs> now, Kev, I suppose you, you mentioned that your parents, uh, and, and Sarah's mentioned this before, both Fijian, uh, but you're brought up here in Australia. Has playing for Fiji given you an opportunity to connect deeper with your Fijian heritage? Oh, yes, definitely. You know, I think being born in Australia as well, you can tend to lose that that connection with your with your heritage and you know my my parents my mom and my dad and also my grandma and my grandpa they they were really diligent in installing the Fijian heritage the Fijian culture and the traditions and you know I'm really grateful for that because I'm still learning you know what I mean I don't know everything about the Fijian culture and that's the good thing about it like it's so unique and beautiful as every other nation have their their traditions and it's something that I really enjoy learning about and Something that I'm real proud to be a part of. Another um, feature of your family is that you always win. Like you've had a lot of success overseas. <laughs> and I, we always mention on the show here about Sez, and she, I don't think she's lost a game of rugby in like eight years or something like that. We're actually 52 <laughs> on the trot at Sydney Uni. 52 on the trot oh, on the trot at Sydney Uni. A couple of Super W titles. Can, can you tell me who, <laughs> who's... <laughs> <laughs> Who's Stinger. the most competitive in your family? Because I'm I'm tipping it might be Sez. Yeah, I'm thinking Sarah. Then she just <laughs> she just didn't fail to mention how many games it's in a row. So <laughs> did she used to dominate when you play backyard footy and that? Would she try and put it over you and your brother? You know what? When we were young, my brother was like there's a big age gap, seven year age gap. So I, was, I tend to hang around with my sisters a lot when we were younger. <laughs> So my brother was too cool for us. So he was always okay. out with his friends. So I was tend, I always tend to hang out with my sister Sarah and my other one Randa. So I actually used to play football with him in like our lounge room. I just like here we use a towel, fold it up into a ball, and I'm like just try and run and score past me. And you know I'll give it to Sarah. From that young age, she always used to just run it straight. <laughs> and then run it straight until she ended up crying, and then we'd stop the game. But then she always come back for more. That's probably where it started. So I'm. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna claim a little bit of that success, and I help to develop. You tough, you toughen her up. You toughen her up. You reckon? But also, when I would cry, he'd be like, "Shh, shh, shh." Otherwise, Mum won't let us play anymore. <laughs> stop crying! Stop crying! Um, uh, no, memories. great memories, Kevin. I just want to touch on very quickly. You've had three very successful years with St Helens over in the Super League, coming back over with three rings. You're a bit of a show off, but just um, what did it mean to you to to be able to play over there? Because I know that was a goal that was really important to you. Yeah, well, you know, going to the Super League, I just obviously wanted to test myself as a player, you know, on that side of the world. And, um, you know, I couldn't have dreamed for a better time. Like, there were a special group of players, special teams, special organisation as well, from the coaching staff, the whole town, the community of St. Helens. They're like, it's something really special that I got to be a part of. And, um, you know, if you would have told me that we we're going to win three premierships when I had signed at the time, I would say you're kidding yourself. But obviously the goal when I signed there, I knew there were, the history of the club and how successful they were. And I wanted to be a part of that. Um, signing out, I wanted to add value to the club. And, you know, my goal was to win a premiership. And like you said, like winning three in a row, it's still, I'm still pinching myself knowing that we achieved that as a team, um, especially winning the Challenge Cup as well last year. It's just, a, it's going to take me a while to sort of um, process the enormity of what we achieved as a team, as a club, um, and also as a player. I think until I step back from the game, I'll probably realise what we actually did and how big it was and, you know, the stuff that we achieved and the and um, the success that we were able to 
achieve as a team, I think that won't really, like, won't be able to process that until I'm sort of retired and on the other side of the game. Yeah, I, I think that's um, it's a it's a good point. You you do get time to reflect once you've uh, once you've wrapped things up. Kev, I've just got one more question before we get into a bit of fun uh, with you. What's uh, sure. one piece of advice that you have for any young athlete uh, aspiring to to reach the heights that maybe you've reached? Yeah, well, you know, the one thing that I'd probably give them is like, don't give up. If it's something that you really love and enjoy, you're going to get dealt a lot of setbacks. You're going to get dealt a lot of, um, you know, by coaches that you're not being picked for for some teams um even if it's not just rugby league whatever you pursue in your career if it's something that you really love and you enjoy don't give up just keep working hard because it never goes to waste and you know the stuff that you do behind the scenes it will come to fruition if you continue to put in the work it never goes to waste and that's the biggest thing i could say is like just don't give up and keep at it if it's something that you love and passionate about just keep working hard at it That's a really mature uh, note to end on. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Before we let our guests go, we love to run a little segment called Tip On. It's basically 60 seconds of rapid-fire questions. Don't think too hard. Just one-word answers, please, sir. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And Dean will take you through this one. And the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Rick Warren, what's your purpose? What was your first concert? Asha. Who was your most annoying teammate? Oh. <laughs> Too long, next question. <laughs> Who was your sporting yeah, hero? <laughs> Who was your sporting hero? Sporting hero, Michael Jordan. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Wrestler entrance song. Uh... Uh, Asha, yeah. <laughs> what was your favourite movie as a kid? Space Jam. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Cassava chips. Favourite place you've travelled to? Maldives. Do you have a hidden talent? Can play the piano. <laughs> Who would... Oh, that's all we have time for. You can also yeah. sing, can't you? <laughs> Sing and play. Do you want to give us a few bars? Can't sing, can't play though. <laughs> Kevin, you're you're funny. You took so long to answer these questions. That was so simple. I was like, if you were next to me, I would have pushed you. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? We cannot wait to see what you do in the tri-colors in the 2022 season um, and all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That was the Sydney Roosters' latest recruit, Kevin Ngama, also a rugby league legend of St. Helens. I played with him at the Tigers, so I was very lucky, and Sarah's older brother. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? It's time for one of our favourite segments, You Can Ask That, and this is a segment where we get our listeners to ask a current or former athlete Anything that they want to know about sport, about the life of an athlete. And if you've got a question, you can send it through to us at our Instagrams, at Sarah Nangama or at Dean Hullitow, and we'll answer it as best as we can. This week, we've got a question coming from Bella, uh, all the way from Suva. And the question is, what's the hardest preseason you've done and why? I want you to go first because I oh, feel you like you'd have some, some dark stories. Dark stories? You know, when like there's always... 
you usually go back to training like around November for, for an NRL season. And around about uh, second week of October, when you know you've got about two weeks left until you start training, you hit the panic button and you start training heaps because you're like, I've done nothing. I'm not ready. I've got to start training now. And then you spend the next two weeks planning your hard sessions. And then you ended up only doing about two or three. So you hit day one and you go, I'm really underprepared. I'm underprepared. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I'm not ready <laughs> for this. But I think the hardest, the hardest one that I can remember is when I first got to the Bulldogs and I'd heard about how hard they train and I'd already, I was already seven years into my career. So I'd had quite a few pre-seasons, but day one I got there and it was just testing straight off the bat. Uh, and, and it doesn't sound like much, but it's a two and a half K time trial, which is, you know, not too far, but enough when you're trying to run a decent score that you go, all right, I've got to put in everything here. So we do this two and a half K time trial and then we walk a lap and they go, all right, line up, you're doing the beep test now. So that was back-to-back testing. Eesh. And me being new at the club, I was like, oh, I've got to get hard in the 2.5K. And I didn't really do that well in it. And then we have to double up and do the beep test straight after. And then we go into a full session, which was involves like con and skills and everything. So it was like a real smack in the face. We're like, okay, you're at a new club. You've got to be ready to go, but you're not ready to go. And um, it's going to be really difficult. And that preseason was like really long, really hard. Um, but it was really enjoyable because I felt so fit. I got really fit and felt like I was on top of my game. Um, that was one that sticks out in my mind. But my f- very first preseason as a youngster, yeah. it was like killer. When I first got th- at the West Tigers, my first full preseason, which was two two oh three to two oh four, like the two oh four season. Um, yeah, that was just long and hard, and trying to understand what it was like to be a full time um, footy player, and yeah, mm. it's, every day was turning up with something new. And you know, in the summer when it's really hot, yes, and you run and your your feet burn in your boots mm-hmm. because it's just so hot, and and your feet are sore from your yeah, boots, yeah. And it's like maybe the third day of the, of the week of training, and everything's just like, oh, why am I doing this? Because <laughs> there's a lot of yeah, it's hard to probably pinpoint one. Yeah. Do you have one that stands out in your mind, says? Yeah, my 2018 was my first Waratahs season, so that was the first time I'd like been picked up like to play rep. At the next time, like I'd done two years of Sydney prior to that, but like it was such a shock to my system because like you're playing club footy, right? And you're just running around the park, whatever. And you think that's the hardest thing you've ever done. And then I got to that and I just had never been in such like a fast pace environment where you kind of expect it to learn quick, but then I'm like, my fitness is not like up to where everyone else's is. And I just remember like every day for like three nights a week walking and dragging my feet with like absolutely nothing nothing left in my body but like you like yourself I felt like it was it was tough but at the end of it I was like oh I realized why it was tough like I'm, I'm better for it but yeah I feel like every year I get so excited to like finish a season and like finish really well and then you as you talk about that period of the downtime the downtime I I really really enjoy yeah and then I'm currently in pre-season right now and like last night was a session yeah that kind of felt like that <laughs> I was like, I'm really in preseason right now. But the the hardest thing is I know that it's it's we haven't reached the hardest of our training sessions yet. Like I know it's still coming. So yeah, right. yeah you can really tell in preseason because a lot of what we're gonna cover throughout today <laughs> will be about preseason, but it's a it's a hard thing. What month do you generally start your preseasons? So we start in November. Yeah, okay. So for yeah, for Super W we start in November. It's really tough because when we start in November we train right through till Feb and we don't play till like March. So, so it's like a long it's a, preseason. It's a long one. And I kind of raised it with my coaches, but apparently we're one of the last states to start our preseason. I'm like, 
duh, because we won. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like, it's so, true. Yeah, so the, the teams that make the finals in the NRL, if they yeah. go all the way through to the GF, which is the first week of October, they don't usually go back until December. Yeah. So they get like, yeah, they get longer off because they went longer through the season. But they, it's probably the same length of preseason that an NRL team would go. Like, no, start November, start playing like trials in February and, and season in, yeah. in March as well. And you don't taper off after Christmas. So when you come back in after Christmas, does it keep, stay at that high level? Yeah, 100. Yeah. But anyway, that was us. The preseason's tough and uh, we've had some dark times and I've probably still got a little bit more to go. <laughs> yes. They're all behind me, thankfully. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so if you've got a question, you can send them through to our DMs on Instagram. My handle is at Sarah Nangama and Dean's is at Dean Hallitau. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. Woo! You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials. We tackled the tough headlines in the rock and we have new music from a local artist. This week for Island Life, we're heading to PNG for a boxing update with our reporter on the ground, Peter Pasal. Let's head to him now. This is Peter Pasal reporting for ABC Sport Radio Show, Can You Be More Pacific, here in Port Moresby. Today I have a special guest with me. He is Ben Micah, the patron of the Oceania Fight Promotions. Uh, welcome to the show, Ben. Please tell us a little bit about uh, Oceania Fight Promotions and uh, your involvement uh, in that organization. Good day, Peter, and good day, uh, listeners. Oceania Fight Promotions was incorporated in 2018 to assist in reviving and resurrecting professional boxing, which went into some kind of uh, hibernation for more than 20 uh, years since the retirement of the late Martin Benny and the uh, passing of uh, the late John Abba. These are the two Papua New Guinean professional boxers who made it in the big time uh, with the Johnny Abba becoming Commonwealth featherweight champion and number one contender in the world, and Martin Benny becoming number one in the Commonwealth and uh, number 10 in WBC ranking in the world. So with the uh, support and assistance of uh, the late Martin Benny, who volunteered to come out of retirement, we incorporated uh, Oceania Fight Promotions with uh, the owner and managing director, Miss Marion Milley, uh, and from there did one fight in um, the end of uh, 2018 and four fights I believe in 2019 in October this year because of COVID-19 there were no fights in 2020 and in uh, October this year we did a fight that was televised live by TV1 uh, which uh, during that event our late icon and uh, boxing hero uh, Martin Benny passed away during that event but uh, that event helped to consolidate the future of professional boxing and it emerged that uh, you know the cream of top professional boxers that we have uh, like John Korake, John Declam, the Tom Boga uh, and a uh, couple of the others who were able to display very uh, top uh, professional boxing. They've got an opportunity to restore professional boxing uh, in Papua New Guinea. Just your vision on 
reviving box professional boxing as you said uh, Ben where do you want to see this sport go and what can it do what is the potential of professional boxing here in PNG uh, Papua New Guinea is a leading boxing nation in the Pacific Games we dominate uh, mostly the light and middleweight divisions uh, in how many Pacific Games you know going back 20 years uh, we have excelled, our boys have excelled, and then even some ladies who have come to join the sport, they have excelled in uh, Arafura Games, in the Oceania Games, and uh, they've done well in, in, in the Commonwealth Games and uh, in, even in the Olympic trials. Uh, in 1978, our own uh, Tumat Sokolik went on to win the silver medal at the Edmonton Games, and over the years, uh, you know, we have won gold medals and silver medals in the Pacific Games. And our boys have done very well in Arafura Games and in uh, the Oceania Games. And also, uh, you know, in competitions in Australia, in Philippines, lately through the organizations that Oceania Fight Promotion has been able to do for boxing, uh, we, have, we, have, we have done quite well. And uh, the late... Uh, you know, boxing legend Martin Benny, when we uh, started uh, boxing in 2018, he announced that uh, he will not close his eye as, as, as a former combined champion of Australia and Papua New Guinea in 1974 uh, and uh, number 10 ranking in WBC, in the welterweight division, number one in the Commonwealth. He said that as far as he could go, and he nearly made it to the top in the world, in the, in the welterweight division. He will not close his eyes until he see a Papua New Guinea and hold up one of the belts in any division in, 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 the, in the world titles. And uh, unfortunately, he closed his eyes uh, in our last event. And, uh, but boxing will live on. Uh, boxing will live on uh, with the new crop of boxers that are coming up. Uh, and I can mention uh, Raka Kauko Jr., I can mention uh, Tom Boga and even John Declam and John uh, Korake. And we have uh, young Tadius Katoa, uh, who has now you know, transferred from amateur boxing to professional boxing. On the 19th of December, there'll be a, another major event that will be televised also by TV1. And the main event will be between... Uh, Raka Kauko Jr. and Tadeusz Katoa in the lightweight division. That, that will be a very, very exciting fight and we look forward to it. Uh, so, uh, there, there you are. You know, we have five to ten professional boxers that I believe can climb up into the world ranks and I believe, before I close my eyes, one of them will become world champion. Alright, well, in terms of combat sports in PNG, uh, I guess after Martin Benny and John Arba and, and that generation in the 70s and early 80s uh, fought and uh, were, you know, put boxing on the, on, the, on the regional map, on the world map, so to speak, the next combat sport that actually came and took over the public consciousness and, and uh, was more popular is kickboxing. And Stanley Nandex in that regard has, has done as much as he can for the sport. But what do you see professional boxing in terms of the potential to give some of these fighters, you know, a future they never thought they could have, earnings they could 
you know, money they could make from uh, doing this. It's got a potential to do that for, you know, a lot of our guys out there because, you know, the fight sport, if you're good enough, you can, you can make a living out of this. Boxing is big in the world. Uh, you know, the sport of one man uh, in the ring with another man. Uh, unlike uh, group sports, you know, we have great rugby players, we have great soccer players, we have great basketball players, but they're not as popular and they're not as outstanding individually as boxers. That is why boxers are, you know, professional boxing is a big money-making business. Uh, and so I believe that uh, boxing was big in PNG in the 70s, late, early 80s, went into some kind of hibernation, but boxing has, has made a comeback. And I must say that we have very good sponsors, you know, big companies that have got beyond professional boxing, and because of their financial support, boxing in just a matter of two years has taken off the ground. And with the image and popularity of Martin Benny as our promoter, and with the you know, skills and passion of these up-and-coming young boxers, Boxing, boxing has made a comeback, and boxing will only get bigger and bigger. And I believe very strongly that one or two or three of our professional boxers in the next few years will be able to hold up a world title belt. Well, Ben, it certainly, it certainly, uh, it certainly could be that way. And uh, we wish you all the best, the Oceania Fight Promotions, and in your next show on December 19th, uh, we wish you uh, uh, good luck with those uh, fighters. And uh, you want to say something else? Uh, I'd just like to say that, uh, you know, our Prime Minister, Honorable James Marape, is an avid fan of boxing. Uh, he has not missed uh, any of our fights except the last one. I think he has not missed five, five events where he has come and he has stayed until the fights are finished. He's been involved in the presentations. And uh, so we are greatly encouraged by the support of our Prime Minister. So there you are, with the Prime Minister behind professional boxing and very good supportive sponsors behind professional boxing with a, a new crop of Martin Benis and John Abbas and Thomas Sokoliks uh, coming up the rank, I believe. And I say once again that in my lifetime I will see uh, one of our professional boxers holding up one of the world title belts here in Papua New Guinea. Well, Ben, Micah, thank you very much for your time on Can You Be More Pacific? And once again, we wish you all the best in your December 19th show and beyond. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. This week in Keeping It Social, Dean surprisingly came forward first with his social of the week, which is very, very rare because, as we know, the man's does not operate on social media. I believe, like, what, your last post now would be sitting at 45 weeks ago. It was 43 last week. Wasn't oh, it? so 44 now, my yeah. bad. So, Dean, what's your, what's your social of the week? Well, I've seen this straight away and I thought this is hilarious. One, because I, I love physical, obviously, the, the physical contact that occurs in rugby league and rugby union matches. This was in soccer. So mm-hmm. that was one. And it was by an Australian like icon, Sam Kerr, playing for Chelsea in uh, – the English Premier League. She comes across at a fan who's come out on the field. He was you can't but you can't call him a fan actually because he's a bit of an it's intruder, bit of an idiot. Yeah, right. He's he come is. out the field and he's got his camera up. He's trying to get some selfies with uh, some of the players on the field, and he's just an idiot. 
Yeah, he's he's a pitch invader. He's run on the field, and um, the game stops obviously because they can't. It took so long for the security guards to get out anywhere near him, and he's just running around. Everyone in the crowd's booing and calling him names and telling him to get off the field. Anyway, he takes off towards the um, the end of the field, towards one of the goals, and Sam Kerr's in the vicinity. He's not looking. <laughs> Doesn't matter if he's looking because she put him in a pretty good. Anyway, she comes across and just drops her shoulder into him, blindsides him, and flattens him. It made like it went everywhere around the world. Just people commenting on it, and unfortunately for Sam Kerr, she got yellow carded. For it's ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. I think it's a rule in soccer, but it is ridiculous. Um, there can't be a rule about fans coming onto the field and yeah. then yellow carding a player. Anyway, it was a great shot. She launched. She barely had to move, so she's got some power behind her, Sam. We know from the goal she kicks in anyway, she flattened this guy. <laughs> he was a bit red-faced as he got up and dragged himself off the field. At this stage, the, the security guards had finally caught Finally up, got to him. But he still got away, so I'm sure they caught up to him off the field, but he got away from them on the field. And Sam Kerr, she's, uh, yeah, she's a hero. Australian hero and even more so now. Yeah, that's a great social. I mean, that video went viral. Check it out on the ABC Sport Instagram. Says what's your one? Well, I keep talking about preseason, so I think my social algorithm has fixated itself on preseason posts. Mine this week comes from the Penrith Panthers Instagram, and we're all familiar with Squid Games. Yes. Yes. And that game that they play in like the first episode where like you run towards the doll and then as soon as she turns, you need to stop. Yeah. Um, so they have this audio playing to the boys doing the yo-yo test. <laughs> and I thought it was really, really, really clever. Um, and you can just tell that the boys are putting in some hard yucca after coming off as uh, the 2021 premieres. So yes, that's my social for this week. I like that. It's pretty clever. Very clever. Yeah, yeah. Uh- Yuck. Not for me. In the rut, tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? This week in the rut, we've got some tough headlines to get through, starting with one that kind of puzzled us when we seen it first come up. And um, you want to take it from here, says. Yes, the WNBL have brought about a rule change. And the the rule first was that... It's hard to say it out loud because I can't believe it. But basically the rule was that players, either male or female, had to have their hair braided um, so that it doesn't swing into other players' faces while they're playing because it might strike their face or something and cause an injury. So that that's not only braids but also plaited ponytails. Basically the rule was that if your hair was in a ponytail, it needed to be rolled into a bun to stop the free-flowing of your hair. This policy, and this is using the words of the WNBL, this policy has been deemed discriminatory and inconsistent with Basketball Australia's diversity and inclusion framework by the WNBL Commission. So they have taken away this policy. I can't believe long, it's long happening standing in policy. The first line says a long-standing <sighs> policy. But, yeah, I, I guess it's one of those – it must have been a rule that came in way, way back. Someone's going, no, we can't have that. It's just not on. And then it's just sat – in the, the rules for a long time and no one's thought to change it until now. I actually wonder what would have caused this policy to be brought up and reviewed. Something must have happened or whether it one was person, One person would have just gone, hey, I've just seen this. This is silly. Regardless, it's ridiculous and I'm glad that they've stripped it. Yes, good move. Let the girls do whatever the hell they want with their hair. You guys really – no, anyways, this is not the time for it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in the Rugby Sevens, we see that Fiji will have – so as we know, sorry, I should say, Fiji have had such an incredible run throughout the 2021 season. However, in 2022, in the first leg of the World Seven Series, they have a pretty tough pool. Yes, Fiji do have a tough pool, and uh, it includes New Zealand. New Zealand's such a force on the world stage in 
any format, but in sevens they are traveling pretty well. So it makes the task in this World Seven series in Spain uh, a tough one towards the end of January. Yes, the tournament will take place between Jan 21st and 23rd. So it'll be pretty pretty cool to see where Fiji end up because, as we know, they've come so close. It'll be great to see themselves tested against the very best. So USA and Canada are pretty They're very hot. competitive yeah. teams. Yeah, a lot of speed. Yes. Yeah, okay. Also, what I've noted about uh, US is that they're very, like, they're strong girls, like they're broad and like they're just tough they're, yeah, okay. they're both two tough outfits so it's usa canada new zealand Fijiana. let's good go. luck it's going to be a fiji and new zealand final you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> we've been speaking a lot about uh not the relaxation but the the changing of laws around test players being able to go to another country and play for them and we've seen uh this week that a former all black has spoken up about his willingness or his keenness to play for Tonga. Yeah, so he's, uh, Ngani uh, Lomapi said he is keen to switch allegiance from New Zealand to Tonga and no doubt that would be uh, a big coup if uh, Tonga could could get Lomapi's signature or get him as a part of the squad. Uh, I'm not too sure, where is he at at the moment? Uh, he's playing in France. He's playing in France. So yes. he's still playing top level, top flight rugby. He's going to be um, primed and ready to go. Uh, hopefully his form's continuing into 2023, but he's a quality player, has spent a lot of time with the All Blacks and no doubt would be a big asset to Tonga. Yeah, we've been speaking about this, right? With the relaxation of this rule, we're going to see players kind of go back to the the countries that their, their families are from. So it'll be really interesting to see how things unfold in the lead up to World Cup. This might kick off a number yeah, of, I feel a number like of it really players is. making those those switches. So. Well, they've been saying that like, someone like Israel Folau, there's, there's someone, he's someone, sorry, that they're eyeing out. So it'll be a, a pretty good side if you ask me. Yes, they'll, they'll be a strong team as they are in other codes. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Well, Dean, that's all we have time for today. End of the show. End of the show. It's Good our show. last live show for 2021. And I, we, I guess, want to take this opportunity to, to thank um, some real key people that make this show even possible. And that includes the Radio Australia team, DFAT, and our executive producer, Tim Burrell. And uh, someone we want to acknowledge is Renelle Moa, who is our producer in studio. Um, really thankful for all of these people, but more so Nellie for coming in here and helping us every week. Um, holding us together. Honestly, you are the glue that holds this mess together. Piecing us together, then holding us together. Run sheets, research, teeing up interviews. None of your effort goes unnoticed. So thank you so much. Thank you, Nellie. Um, again, as we said, we won't be back live, but we have some of our best ofs coming up. So if you want to hear our favourite moments from 2021, make sure you tune in. You can catch all of this magic wherever you listen to your podcast. Sarah, thank you for, for a great year. It's Aww. been awesome co-hosting the show with you. You're uh, very much uh, a professional at what you do and I've made it very, very easy. But we will be back again next year, so that's a good thing. Yes. And Dean, while we're, we're thanking everyone, thank you also for a fabulous show. You hold us together with your NFL and your fantasy leagues and <laughs> your bad social media skills, but I wouldn't Improving have... Improving social media. Yes. I get most improved, don't I? Yes. The award for social media. I also like that you self-reclaim that. That's weird, but whatever. Yeah. You do you, boo. <laughs> but we will be back in 2022 on the 13th of January. And uh, on behalf of the team here at Can You Be More Pacific, we want to wish all of our listeners... Merry Christmas. Tolkia. Mademanda. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport Production 
for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.